Hi, my name is Tecla Francesco, and I'm trying to spread the word about how practicing the law of attraction can significantly improve your physical and mental health. Join me and like-minded friends to learn more about gratitude and how to manifest health and wellness beyond your wildest dreams. Get ready to transform your life as I share my journey about harnessing the power of the law of attraction to achieve abundance. From overcoming chronic pain to eliminating daily anxiety to treating a mental illness, I've experienced so much and I can't wait to share my proven principles and techniques with you. My goal is for you to leave our weekly episodes with easy and actionable steps to implement effortlessly into your day-to-day life so you can reach your own personal health and wellness goals. So let's dive right in. Hello, my wellness witches. I'm your host, Tekla. This is Heal Yourself with the Law of Attraction, and today we have a guest joining us on the podcast. With us this week is Arabella Kilby, who is the founder of Nourished Terrain Wellness, an integrative health and wellness practice based here in Australia. Arabella focuses on working with clients one-on-one to identify, manage, and heal from conditions including chronic illness, energy and stress management, diabetes and insulin resistance, immune dysfunction, and many more. So why are we talking to her today? Well, I've known Arabella since I was about 13 years old. She is my best friend's sister, and she inspired my holistic health journey a couple of years ago. Arabella went through several years of her life where she was largely bedridden, with symptoms like short-term memory loss and involuntary slurring of her speech. After exhausting traditional Western methods of medicine, she took a broader approach. She started to educate herself on integrative and complementary healing methods and practitioners, and fast forward to today, lives a happy, healthy, normal life. She is here today to share her journey with us and talk about how mindset played a role in her recovery. So let's get into it. Hi, Arabella. Thanks for joining us today. I want to start with your journey. Can you share with us your story of being chronically ill and how you managed to recover fully? Well, first, I'll say thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be on here speaking with you today my story. I feel like everything sort of came to a head in 2019 when I went to a family lunch and collapsed in the bathroom. Uh, That was the beginning of the pointy end of a health crisis for me that really in retrospect had been coming for a long time. I had just been ignoring things and sort of passing them off as normal. You know, my husband had been saying to me for several years by that point, uh, it's not normal for you to be this tired. You need to go to the doctor. And I was going to the doctor. I was having my annual blood tests and they were coming back unremarkable. And, you know, show me a mother of two small children that's not tired. So (laughs) there was those elements, uh, I think, playing a role. But, you know, at the point when you're on the bathroom floor, literally in a restaurant on the bathroom floor, and my daughter at the time would have been four or five, uh, she came in and found me and I and had to go and get another adult. At that point, it's beyond ignoring it. Um, and so I was rushed to the hospital. And then we started down the road of symptom management and chasing diagnoses within the medical system 
that lasted another several years. The end point being that I, I had gotten a Lyme diagnosis and which is a bacterial infection of the spirochete variety. It's similar to, it's a cousin of syphilis, not sexually transmitted, but, um, well, actually we don't know. There's a question mark over whether it's sexually transmitted or not, but, um, you, you get it from primarily from tick bites. And once I treated that bacterial infection, which the treatment I will say was probably the hardest thing I've ever done outside of actually getting as sick as I was in the first place. Uh, it, it was not an easy hurdle to jump, but once I started treating the infection, to my surprise, all the other diagnoses like migraines and POTS and fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, they actually started to self-resolve and that opened my eyes a little bit to what I had been pulling, putting up with and what I was willing to put up with moving forward. For everyone listening, can you tell us a little bit about what POTS is? So POTS is uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Uh, we're actually seeing it a lot with long haul COVID patients. Basically your nervous system in the human body is operating in two halves. One is the sympathetic nervous system. Most people understand it as fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze. They're, they're your main reactions that in your sympathetic nervous state, uh, parasympathetic is rest, digest, restore. There's a certain amount of automatic function in your autonomic nervous system that we don't have to think about or consciously achieve. Our body just does it. And essentially when you've got POTS, it starts misfiring. So your heart and your vascular system that's getting blood around your body and controlling your blood pressure which has to go up and down. If you do something like go from sitting to standing up, that's all your autonomic nervous system. And mine was not working well, which is why I would uh, experience things like vasovagal syncopes, which is essentially fainting, fainting episodes. The digestive system actually takes about 40% of your blood volume to work effectively. So often POTS patients will also get something like called dumping syndrome, which is when you eat food and then if your blood pressure is already sitting quite low, when your body allocates those resources over to the digestive system to do the job, there's not enough for everywhere else. So again, you faint. So all of this sounds terrifying. I'm sure it was a very scary period for you. Can you talk a little bit about how your mindset was during the process where you're discovering all of this and you're uncovering that you have several diagnoses? I mean, when I was in it, I was, there was a certain amount of it that just felt like I was rolling from punch, one punch to the next. And I, it was very hard to keep up because also when you're sick, you're depleted, you're depleted nutritionally, you're depleted from a cellular perspective, you're depleted energetically. So there's, there's less bandwidth to accommodate hard things or anything, certainly hard things. And it was challenging to be experiencing it. It added another layer when I was trying to navigate how to get help. And 
you know, the tests that were being run, like that annual blood panel, were coming back unremarkable, which essentially is doctors speak for normal, nothing to see here type thing. And it was like, well, the two weren't matching up. Like I had never felt worse in my entire life. And like no one could find any kind of measurable factor. Uh, when I went into emergency that first time, there were some really amazing emergency doctors there. And they basically said to me, we can see that your blood pressure is sitting far too low. Like we can see it on the monitor. That is not the right number. But um, we can't tell you why. <laughs> That's going to need some more investigation in with some different specialty areas. So that was interesting too. Like in my mind, I had to work out, like initially I had been treating my body a little bit like my car. <laughs> it was getting me from A to B and that was great. I didn't really have to think about it too much more than that until I really got sick. And then I was taking this body off to the doctor and essentially being like, so let me know when it's fixed. <laughs> you know, I've got other things to do. Uh, and that was probably the biggest shift I had to make. Um, the responsibility of the person in the driver's seat was me and everyone else I was consulting with from cardiologists to neurologists to massage therapists to lymphatic massage professionals, they were all consulting for me and at the center of that octopus was me. So that was probably the biggest, I think the biggest shift I had to make in terms of my mindset and how I was approaching the situation. And how do you think mindset played a role in your recovery? So getting all of this information, it's piecemeal. You're having to put this jigsaw puzzle together. We have Western doctors telling you your labs are fine. You know something's wrong. There's things unaccounted for. How did you kind of tackle all of that? Uh, well, I, I, I think I'm in a very fortunate position in terms of when I was a patient to have my husband sitting next to me and he is a medical specialist. So I was able to have conversations with him that I think maybe without a doctor in the house might not be so easily accessible. But the other thing was we, we met quite young. I met my husband when I was 18 and he was 23 and we were young and fit and fabulous. And, uh, he had sort of been watching me physically go through this decline and he would, he was saying things to me like, this isn't normal, something, I don't know if there's a structural issue or an, you know, an infection or a, but something has changed because he went from watching me, you know, be physically fit and active in a way that I, I, you know, probably both of us took for granted to not being able to, hardly being able to get out of bed. I stopped driving the car because I wasn't sure, sure when I was going, excuse me, sure, sure when I was going to faint and it wasn't safe for me or anyone else on the road. So I think that bit of like, okay, even though that test didn't show anything, that doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with me. So then it was about learning how to navigate within the system. You know, one example was I mentioned digestion and blood, what the blood's doing and your circulatory system uh, earlier. 
I would go into, for example, I went to an endocrinologist. They specialize in hormone function. And I described that it was making me really nervous to go out for meals because I never knew when I was going to have to faint or run to the bathroom. And there didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. I was actually really focused on the food that I was putting in, not the state my body was in to receive it, which was another crucial factor. But when I was describing that, based on this person's knowledge bank and experience and interests, the diagnosis that came back was previously undiagnosed eating disorder. Um, and, you know, when you're going into these doctors, you put trust in their, the time that they've spent learning their specialty, which is valuable. You know, you have to come away from it and go, well, okay, and consider what they've said. Is it possible that I have an eating disorder? Um, and so I would, you know, go through that. And I said to my husband, you know, like, do you think that this is a factor? And he basically has been living, he, he knows how much I love food and was like, no. <laughs> no. It's quite confronting to have somebody whose knowledge bank you trust coming back at you with, well, maybe the issue is in your mind. As in, in medical speak, there's a psychiatric component. Now there's, I think now there's always a mindset component and I'm really interested in the role of the brain. I think a lot of people think about their body and their brain as this kind of separate entity, but the brain is an organ like all the other organs we have. And when it gets depleted, we're going to see symptoms, but I don't think that should be used as a weapon or as a means by which to dismiss everything else someone is saying. So then I had to, that was about me being mentally resilient enough to go, all right, well, that's your opinion. Fine. I, I came to you for consulta consultation. That's what you, that's your two cents worth. I'm not sure I agree with that. So what am I going to do? Having, like I've considered it, what am I going to do next? And that was when my husband was really valuable with his understanding of how the system works. He said to me, you know, just because you're, the problem you're experiencing doesn't exist within that person's specialty area doesn't mean you don't have a problem. It means that your problem doesn't exist within their knowledge bank. And that was really um, illuminating for me. And helped me then I become a lot more powered and stop taking things so personally, you know, like, because there was an element of like, what do you mean you think I have a eating disorder? <laughs> like, um, and, and it was, it's just, you know, that was his professional opinion and I had to keep moving. That was really all that was. And Did that answer your question? Yes. And we talk a lot here about identity. When you go to the doctor, you get a handful of diagnoses, you're coming away with people in the professional field telling you you're a sick person. And that identity to adopt can be harmful and inhibit your healing journey. If you're walking around thinking, I'm sick, I'm unwell, there's no way I can get better. That play definitely plays a role in if you can get better and heal and recover. So how did that show up for you? Of course, of course it does. Um... I had to personally shift from my body is sick and broken to I am healing, not 
I am sick right now, but it will get better, but I am healing all the time, every day and every moment I am healing. I use mantras a lot. One of my favorites is I provide the ingredients for my body to heal every day. Another one is I release dis-ease from my body because even reframing disease from dis-ease, it's your body talking to you. It's asking for something. And then I welcome health, peace, happiness, love, and abundance into my life. You know, like I would literally lie there and breathe it in Um, because our nervous systems are listening to our thoughts. Another moment that I really to, you know, was a big turning point for me was I realized that I talked about POTS earlier and the vasovagal episodes, which is basically you faint. But I realized that, that actually that was still, even on my worst day in the scariest circumstances, that was still my body looking after me because what was happening was my, my blood pressure was dropping. So it's pumping around to all your extremities, right? My blood was having trouble getting from my feet back to my heart and my brain against gravity and under duress. So all a vasovagal syncope is, is your body going, get on the ground. We're working too hard against gravity. We need a bit of help. So even, even that, like to me, that was just remarkable. It was still keeping me alive, even in those circumstances. And that was when I really, really realized that even on your worst day, your body is your ally. I love that. Yeah. I think that speaks to a lot of people listening today. We talk about affirmations. We love an affirmation. We love reframing them from I am unwell to I am healing every day. My body is fighting yeah. to keep me alive. Like those things are so important. Yeah. And so I love that you said that. And when you were talking about finding something to be grateful for in the situation, yes, yeah. you're having a fainting episode. However, that was your body indicating and trying to speak to you and telling you, this is too hard for me right now. I need some help. Yeah. I'm trying to keep yeah, you yeah. alive. Yeah. Wait, we, we just can't work so hard against gravity. Your heart's working too hard. Get on the floor. And the gratitude element is very important, I think, because again, even on your worst day, there is always something to be grateful for. And It's not even that the things that we, the more obvious things that to be grateful for go away in those moments. It's that our focus is shifted. We're just looking somewhere else. So I think that kind of, again, when we come back to the brain and mindset and thoughts, like I think it's like any other muscle that you would be training in the body. It takes time and practice to get good at it. And we need to be more intentional about our thoughts, I think, like what is serving us and what is actually not serving where we want to go. I love the concept of, is it serving you? How is it serving you? What ways can it serve you better? Mm -hmm. We talk about that a lot too. Something else I wanted to ask before we move on is Mm -hmm. when you are shifting that mindset and you're making improvements and you're seeing progress, and then you take a couple of steps backwards, you know, we talk about healing not being linear, but that is tough. It's really tough. And I'm sure that yeah. happened to you on your journey. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, I can tell you that even 
when you are towards the end of your healing journey, there's a certain amount of anxiety as well that's like, can I really trust this? Like, how much better am I? How far can I push this? So mindset is is playing a role through the whole process. I think a lot of it comes from fear. And, you know, let's be honest, feeling terrible is not something, is not pleasant place to be. You know, pain is hard. When you really worked so hard to make steps forward. And then it can feel like, you know, well, what was the point? Or, you know, like, I don't even, I'm not even sure I've got the energy to like gain that ground again. But I think on my worst days, there was significant levels of pain involved. And in those moments, I was literally going breath to breath and moment to moment. And I knew in that pain cycle, like pain doesn't last forever. Things go in cycles. Seasons go in cycles. Days go in cycles. So I knew that I only had to be strong enough to last one second longer, like one moment longer than the worst of that pain. And then I would problem solve after that. But in that moment, you're surviving and we can only go as far as we can breathe, which is why I think it's a really uh, valuable place to anchor, anchor yourself in. Yeah. Staying present, staying mindful, thinking yeah. about what you have in the moment and avoiding comparison to, well, I felt better three years ago, even though my body was sick and now I've started to heal and I feel like I'm taking 28 steps backwards to get a hundred steps forward because I've been there and that sucks. It does suck. But did you feel better or was it an awareness? Is it an awareness change? Because when we're on autopilot and we've all been there, we're busy with, you know, just going through the motions of getting things done. Um, there's a lack of awareness. And I think when you check in, I have to intentionally do it now. What are my thoughts doing? What's my body doing? What's my behavior doing? When you check in, it's, it's an awareness building exercise. So I'm not sure that it always necessarily is that you did feel better. It was just that your focus was elsewhere. And probably because youth was on our, is on all our sides way back when, we didn't have to think about it quite so, you know, in quite so much detail. I think that's such an important and critical point that you weren't focused on it. Your body might have been numb to it because you're telling yourself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everything physically feels fine. Mm. There's only moments where I'm feeling under the weather and they go away. So all in all, I must be okay. And I think the mm. mind-body connection is so underrated, undervalued, un oh. underexplored, especially when it comes to Western medicine. And I think that's where I've found holistic, integrative medicine to be so much more superior because it takes into account the relationship with both. Something's going on in the mind. Chances are it's manifesting physically in some way. And if something's going on in the body, either the mind's numb to it or there's something else going on there too. Do you want to speak? And also... Like if something like anxiety is popping up, is it a normal and reasonable response to what your that body's going through physically? Like, is it a chem chemical imbalance in the brain? There's so many, you know, it's it's all connected, um, and it's all important. Actually, Harvard has a, I think we're only just beginning to 
skim the surface of starting to understand, but Harvard actually has a research department dedicated to, I think most people have heard of the placebo effect. Yes, we've talked about that on the podcast too. Yeah, so there's also something called the nocebo effect. And again, when navigating the medical system, this becomes really important about choosing what you absorb and what you observe. Because in certain studies, they've shown that if the healing practitioner that you've come to doesn't believe that you can get better, your chances of getting better plummet automatically before there's any kind of pharmaceutical or surgical intervention at all. So that's how important the mind is. And not only one mind, minds interacting. I find all of that stuff fascinating. I think that's really important. And we also talk about here the idea and evolution of multiple truths. Yeah. Because it's the truth for one doctor in one specialty with this experience doesn't mean it's the same truth elsewhere. And there's not one single source of truth. Yeah. And your truth is allowed to evolve and my truth is allowed to evolve. And I think that ties back into that two steps forward and one step back idea because even physically when you, yes, okay, healing's not linear. We all know that there's a bit of, you know, up and down, around and around. And <laughs> but even when you feel like you're taking, you're in that lull in the, you know, two steps backward phase, most times I find when I'm talking with clients now and other people, you're actually not where you were last time you were, you felt like you were in this same place because you've got more tools in your toolkit. So you know how to get yourself out of there faster. You know how to respond faster and more effectively. So even though it feels like a setback, I don't think it's actually, I think it's, you're still in a position of progress most of the time. I think that's important. And I'm glad that you reframed and spoke to that because when you're in those moments, you're not thinking that clearly and everything seems like it's going to and you don't have that perspective. So that's important. Well, you're surviving, right? And stress narrows focus. That's another nervous system. That's your, again, that's your sympathetic nervous system keeping you alive because our nervous system responds the same way to a hundred emails as it does to a tiger. So in a situation where a tiger is chasing you, that narrowed focus that stress brings and adrenaline to give you a big surge serves. It gives you time to get up a tree. But in a longer term scenario of, you know, day-to-day work pressures, uh, healing stresses or sickness stresses that you've then got to translate into healing, it's really important to build awareness around how to um, cycle that nervous state so that you can actually take a step back and look at the, I guess, the healing puzzle from a broader position. Absolutely. Not just one piece that you're getting stuck on. Right. Yeah. So for anyone that's listening and struggling with chronic illness and is feeling helpless or powerless, what advice do you have for them? So I think always the first thing to remember is that the power to heal is inside you. Your human, the human body is very, very clever, every single human body. And I think it's worth pointing out that it's okay to fall down 
it's just not okay to stay there. So then how do you get yourself back up again? I am an avid horsewoman. I ride most weeks. It's literally how are you going to get yourself back in that saddle? And so I think at that point, you have to start to look at where are the roadblocks? Uh, where are the internal roadblocks and where are the external roadblocks? And how are you going to either move them out of your way, crawl under them, go around some over them? You know, like. I think that's, that's critical. I think the first thing you said will resonate with everybody listening. The power to heal is within you. And I think the fear keeps you in this survival pattern, this cycle and is debilitating. It stops you from progressing. It stops you from researching. It stops you from exhausting your resources. It's an important reminder that nothing's going to happen if you don't take any aligned action. I think exploring your options, learning yourself. There's a lot of great resources, information on the web. There's so many ways where you can just be a little bit more empowered, a little bit more knowledgeable. Yeah. That could be the kickstart to help you in your recovery journey. Yeah. I think, I do think it takes a team. I think it takes a variety of perspectives and tools to uh, create a whole healing picture. I had access to the best medical care available and it was pretty good. But I think where our medical system shines is acute care, very good on pharmaceutical management, very good on surgical management, but that's not a complete picture because our cells aren't made of pharmaceuticals, they're made of nutrients. So once I had was using all those things and it was only getting me so far, I had to then step over limits in my mind about where the boundaries were. And I think that was really interesting because there was an element of how much is mine and how much is social programming. Both are at play. And even as you start to make decisions, I found like, okay, I'm going to try a lymphatic massage specialist. There's a, there's all different reactions that you're going to get from positivity to that's dangerous. I'm not saying just, you know, I didn't do anything where I just jumped in blind. I collected my research. I weighed my potential benefits against the potential cons. And then I made a decision. And when I made that decision to step forward, I made sure I was supporting myself and my body through that process every time. And I think that's, that's also really important. So what would you say about how your priorities and values have shifted prior to this healing journey and, and now? I think I'm more intentional now because what I really learned was t- time is our, time is the big unrenewable resource, right? We're not getting it back. I spent a lot of days and nights lying in bed because I couldn't stand up feeling like I was wasting my life. It was also taking away from the way that I wanted to show up as being a mother to my children. So now I think that 
being intentional about how we use that time and not just taking it for granted or let it, like wasting it away is, is the most important thing to me. I'm going to use every minute <laughs> and until there's none left. I think everybody should hear that message loud and clear. If you're not living a life that's in alignment with your values, whatever they may be, then something needs to happen so you can take advantage of the time we all have. Because otherwise, why? You're living, like, you're living for someone else. So you, like, you get one shot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Make the most of it. So if there was one myth about healing, what would you like to dispel or clear up right now that you've heard and you want to set the record straight? Oh, that's a hard one. One myth. The big one that I'll choose today is that healing and health isn't this kind of nebulous thing that's external. It's internal. It takes personal responsibility and it's not someone else's job to fix it. I know that's that probably that can sound a bit confronting, but I think it's confronting but critical. Mm. Nobody else is going to heal you except yourself. If you're not taking the steps, the aligned action, exploring your yeah. options, getting the information you need to make better and more informed decisions about your life, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's true. No one else is going to get me up out of that bed. I had to do it. I think that's so powerful, being in such a state where you quite literally are debilitated mentally, physically, emotionally. Yeah to where you are now, living a happy, healthy, normal life, in inverted commas, for those that can't actually see us. But normal is relative, as Bella will tell us, time and time again. Yes. <laughs> so what would you say the most important lesson is for you that you learned about mindset and healing, the mind-body connection? We have to accept responsibility to learn to become effective caretakers of the bodies that we're running around in. They're a gift. And I think that has to be true whether you have a medical degree or not. So that, that was really the first one because the information's out there. I think we're going through a, almost a democratization of, of information now where it's more accessible. You know, the doctors aren't the gatekeepers anymore. We have access to the publications and I think it's important to, to weigh them sometimes for yourself in certain situations where there are going to be some really big consequences that you might be living with that might be someone else's limitations if you haven't even taken the time to, to look and think about it for yourself. I think in terms of mindset and health and well-being, I think it's important to remember that if someone's telling you something's impossible, it's impossible for them. It doesn't necessarily make it impossible for you. But if you choose to absorb that perspective, then you're going to be living with the consequences of someone else's limiting belief. limits. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing is just to keep it all in perspective, like as you're looking for answers and as we're all um, striving to make things better or, you know, optimize functional performance, just that little bit more. Now I notice that, you know, people see this one moment, they'll see these, you know, they'll see me up on a horse or they'll see me run with my children. And, you know, what, what we rarely see is 
all those times that the person who has gotten to that place has had to really stand in sometimes quite a dark place and literally work out how to get beyond whoever they are in that season to get to the next season. You know, they, they've got to get, that person is challenging themselves to get beyond familiar territory, neurologically, chemically, even genetically to connect to their ability to heal. And that you see less on the uh, highlight reels. Yes. And our social media. <laughs> we don't believe everything we see on social. I think it's important to share the end state, the goal state. I agree. And know that a lot of shit went into it beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Hard work. So to finish up, our last question for today, you know, this is a law of attraction podcast. And yes. we like to think about that as energy out matches energy in. I think yeah. sometimes people hear that and they think it's magic and manifestation and <laughs> parts of it. But at the core, energy out matches energy in. Yeah. How do you think that some of those principles are applied in your life today? I try to approach my life now as you know, the energy I put out into the world is going to be how a lot of it comes back. And I get to choose how I show up in the world. Interestingly, when I was sick, I had to get to a place where that, like, I am healing. And then I would go through these little mental exercises of, like, presented with a choice. What would healthy me do? <laughs> like, do that. I love that. And I want to speak on that because we talk about showing up as a version of our future self that they would yeah. be proud of. Like, who do I want yeah. to cheat? Who am I working toward? And how would they respond, act, behave in this yeah. situation today? I love yeah. that. And that could be as simple as, am I going to go for a walk in the fresh air or at the supermarket? Am I going to go for the Doritos or am I going to pick an apple? <laughs> like, and I want to say this for everyone out there. Bella does... Practice, balance, variety, plate, all of those things. I do. Yes. Nothing's off limits. And I know that from personal experience, which is great. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like what's the point in working so hard, you know, at the right. you, you you get to enjoy life. Really. And that's, that's at the heart of everything I do now. Like, how do I live a beautiful life that I can enjoy with the people that are important to me and you know, use my time in a valuable way for the time I've got here. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to, to finish up. But I did want to say mm. Arabella works with clients globally. Yeah, I'd like to explore her services. You can find more about all of those details in the show notes. We'll have her website, her email, the social links right there for you. And is there anything else you want to add before we jump off Arabella? No, I think thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's my first my first podcast. Wow, we love that. We love having <laughs> guests on the podcast. It breaks it up, gives the listeners something to listen to other than my voice every week. So thanks well, for was... to help us switch it up. <laughs> it was an honor to do it with you. Thank you. Thank you.